0: Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info@capitalchurch.co. At Believe it or not, I was at Explo '72. I was there, and uh, we filled the cotton bowl. I'll never forget. Uh, that uh, it was about a three-day event. Billy Graham was there, and like they said, 80,000 people showed up. And it was the birth of much that came out in the next decade. However, we are in another decade, and we need God to move. Yeah. So are you ready? Yeah. Put on your thinking cap. No, put on your heart cap. In other words, I I need you to catch this from the heart because I'm going to try to capture something, how God sees things so that we can see it as well and and grab it in our hearts. I think many times we... uh, Let's pray. Father, we're believing this morning for a divine impartation for revelation that will come from heaven to earth. You said when we pray pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that way today. We pray that heaven come down to earth and you begin to inspire us, you begin to motivate us, you begin to turn our attention to you, you begin to do things in our minds, in our beings, our paradigms would shift. Lord, our entire being would be dedicated to you, and we, our eyes would be upon the Lord our God. Lord, do and bring a revival in our day that would be greater than all revivals in past days. Lord, we call on you to do great and mighty things. Start in us, Lord. Start in me. Make us all aware of your presence and your spirit now. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've noticed something. Um, We try to have an inner hunger and thirst satisfied with natural things and means. Have you ever noticed people flock to the theater to watch Star Wars and all these supernatural movies? When in reality, the greatest supernatural movie event is happening right now in our lives in the church. And if you turn your attention to it, you will see things you've never seen before. So I want I to uh, I wanna try to explain something to you. Um, how many of you know God has a determined will? Or as God had decided something's going to happen, when he decides something's going to happen, his determined will, it will not be changed. Now, there's certain, uh, and I I spoke to this Wednesday night when we had our prayer uh, meeting and our prayer instruction, God will change his mind for specific things that we ask him to do, but his determined will has already been established and now you have to understand that, that God is attempting to bring us to a point that we see what He's doing in the earth, not what we're doing. And so God has an eternal plan. His eternal plan, now this is, you have, grab a hold of this because this will, this will affect, the way you see God and the way you see how He works in His church will determine how you live as a believer. So, God's eternal plan was affected this way. We see it in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. God uh, uh, placed a kingdom on the earth. We see the first uh, book of Genesis was his creation. God created the heavens and the earth. He created all these things for a purpose. And so then God sends uh, kingdom citizens from heaven to earth to establish them. He sends them as citizens to tend the earth and to make it like heaven or colonize it just like heaven. Now, you've heard me say this before, but that's the kingdom principle. And so we see in Genesis 1:26 through 28, God sends them to earth. He puts man and woman on earth, and then he gives them a command. He says this, Then God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves up on the earth. Can I tell you, I believe that's the most important scripture in the whole Old Testament. That is the key ingredient to what we must attach our faith to. So God established a kingdom. He set a man and a woman in the midst of that kingdom, and he set systems around it that they would work in regard to that kingdom. Now God's the creator, so he creates things, and within the creation, he sets up systems that will work. If we do not work the creator's systems, we will not receive the creator blessings and benefits. So, we see that he says, take dominion. And he sets them here, and we see this all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. God sets his kids in place, and he says, you are now kings and priests. So I'm telling you here this morning, once you receive Jesus, you're a king and you're a priest. Meaning that you have royal blood flowing through you. You're a king. You're a part of the royal family. In addition to that, you're a priest. What does a priest do? Well, a priest stands in, in, in between God and man requesting things from God that cannot be received any other way. We are priests interceding or asking God for relief, mercy, etc. upon the earth. The Bible says Jesus is ever at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He is the eternal priest. We, we also understand, I told you this two weeks ago, one of the things that has been lost in the church is the priesthood of all believers. Everyone in this church, I don't know if you realize it or not, once you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, when you, when you become a citizen, you then become a priest, and as a priest, you are responsible to pray. A priest talks to God in behalf of others. And so what, what must happen if we're not careful, we begin to lose the very essence of why we're a part of the church. But what happens here? We we see this: God inserts them into the earth. Well, then they sinned, they disobeyed God, and they were cast out of the garden, and they lost their purpose. Lost their purpose. So they're cast out and they're outside the garden. They no longer can do what he asked them to do. And you have to understand, I keep saying this, when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't didn't lose a religion. They lost a kingdom. And they lost the keys to the kingdom. Now watch this. So God comes along. he, He writes this whole narrative that we have in front of us. This whole narrative is God's attempt and his story to get us back to where Adam and Eve were in the garden. His purpose, his eternal plan has not changed. It's still Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and take dominion and subdue the enemy. That's what he wants us to do. He still is after his original uh, eternal purpose. But he wants us, God now wants us to return to his plan. That's why he sent his son to get us back on track. Now, I'm trying to get stories so you understand this because you got to catch this. So he sends his son back to get us back on track. And so we receive God. You know, you're here today because I hope that you, God got a hold of you and you asked him into your life and you became a citizen of his kingdom. You're just not a Christian. You're a kingdom citizen. Now, you've got to understand that's even more powerful than a Christian So he redeems us and he adopts us. Why does he adopt us? He adopts us because he wants us to be kings again and to have royal blood flowing through us. That he can identify us on the earth as his children who are adopted into his family and his royal blood flowing through his veins and we can take up the purpose of God again. Stay with me. So we take up this purpose. We become kings and priests Kings and priests, uh, uh, Exodus 19, uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, Revelations chapter 1, it's all in there. It'll all tell you we're kings and priests. So once again, he institutes his kingdom. So watch this. So he goes all through the Old Testament, and he's, he's writing his story and his narrative, and all these patriarchs don't have a clue what he's doing but he's getting them back one step at a time, one generation, one century at a time, back until Jesus returns. Jesus returns the kingdom. I'm getting goosebumps. He returns the kingdom! Now, when he died and he rose again, he took back the title deed of the earth. So that means that he owns the earth. He owns the earth now. But he didn't kick Satan out of the earth because he's the prince and power of the air. He doesn't kick him out because he wants us to take dominion over him and subdue him. That is our heavenly training. We are trained through our prayer and our overcoming of the enemy. That's how we gain spiritual muscles. Now, help me, Lord. So then we get to the New Testament now that was the most important scripture in the, in the Old Testament. Let me take you to the New Testament and give you the most important scripture of the New Testament. We get to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus is with his disciples and he answers and said uh, to, to Peter, who said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. i got to keep you with me somehow. This is the key scripture in the whole New Testament. What happens is, so Jesus returns, and he returns, he brings the kingdom, and they establish the church. The church then is the called out ones, the ecclesia, the eccaleo, the ecclesia are the called out ones that God has called out of darkness into his marvelous light, that they might be the Adam and Eves of the New Testament to tend the earth, to garden it and to overcome the evil one. So you're not just Christians. I, I almost don't even like to say, because we have this paradigm, this, 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 this thought process wh- who Christians are. We are kingdom citizens. And so what happens is as kingdom citizens, we're, we're, we're placed once again in, in the, the kingdom to colonize it and to do what, what God has asked us to do. We are a part of the church, the called at ones, the church is his heavenly mechanism on earth to accomplish heavenly goals. Now, can I just, I got so much I want to tell you. Would you just mind staying here all day? Can I, let me just tell you this. This is why the theology that is permeating, has permeated the earth for the last 60, 70 years, that we are to be, that we are to be removed from the earth as Christians just to get out of here so that we can uh, you know get to heaven with Jesus that's false theology now having said that there is a second coming and we will go with Jesus to heaven praise god but we have not been set here to satiate our desires as believers so and then just get to heaven we have been set here as instruments of heaven, his ambassadors to do heaven, heaven's bidding so we can push back the forces of darkness and be what God wants us to be. Come on, come on, come on, come on, Ken, just give it to him. <laughs> and okay, we, we, within the church now, he, he's, he's the one, it's, the church is his idea. He decided, okay, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a, a, a spaceship on the earth. It's the church, because you guys don't know anything else, so I'll just put a spaceship. What what's he? He's putting a colony. He's putting. You could use all kinds of metaphors. He establishes this church, and he puts within the church a system or universal principles that work and which operate within it. I like to call it almost like it's a matrix a matrix a matrix is material in which something is embedded so we have the church and within this church he has embedded a matrix of systems and the most important system that he puts in it is prayer if you read the old testament in, in isaiah chapter 57 my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations he's we need to be and his house is his church we are a people of prayer The church and its role and systems is otherworldly. It's supernatural. It's outside of this world. And it only emanates from the church. I'm getting goosebumps. I don't know if you are. But what happens is, watch, watch this, watch this. I think many of us, or maybe even most of us, have usurped the church's purpose for our own desires. The reason why we come to church isn't necessarily God's reasons. Well, for instance, most people come to church to, do, to to receive something from the church. You know, pastor, why don't you guys do this? Who said that? Well, it's a selfish desire. See, what is happening is We come into this this otherworldly system, this otherworldly mechanism that God has placed and planted, and according to what we sang today, he is building, which means he's building us. We come into this, and we want the church to satisfy all our needs, when that's not the purpose of the church, now, praise God, when you come to church, you give your life to Jesus, you do all these things, and you begin to be a part of this mechanism, things happen. You get blessed, and there's all these blessings, et cetera. But I think we center so much on the blessings of God and what God can do for me, we forget about what his desire is for the church. He has this huge plan for the church. Then we are to invade culture and society. I can't understand if a church is so powerful, why is our culture getting so bad? (sighs) Okay, I'm done. You can go home now. No, No, I'm just getting started. Is, Is this making sense? So, Jesus, therefore, is building his church. He's building his system. He's building his matrix. I believe prayer is a heavenly matrix made to be embedded in us for the church to fulfill God's eternal purpose and original intent. Without prayer, his kingdom doesn't work. It's like a, metaphors, communication system. It could be like a power grid. Do you know when I was in D.C.? I, I was talking to uh, senators and congressmen, and and uh, some of them that had this. Their major concern was not Russia, was not China, was not outside forces. Their major concern was what they called in uh, the EMP, electromagnetic pulse. They were really concerned because if it was let go in the atmosphere, it would it would stop all of our power the power grid in America would be dissolved. I'm here to tell you today, I think Satan's after our power grid. And I think he's putting EMPs all around us. And we've got to ask God for the defense and the power to overcome anything Satan has given to us because God has it. Oh boy, I hope this makes sense. Unfortunately, we use prayer, this power grid, this internet system, this, this uh, communication system that God gave us, we use it simply for two things, 911 and SOS. Smile at me. It's true, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to all of us. This, this incredible in, in system that God has put in place, this matrix that has the power to integrate all of culture and all of the world. And we use it once in a while for a 911, God help me. Now, there's times that we need 911s. The system is is made there. But you don't don't, uh, call 911 every hour or every day, do you? I hope not. If you do, you need help. (laughs) But this is, to God, it is the internal matrix whereby his kingdom works and is empowered. It is the power grid, the, inner, the internal internet system that makes everything work. And so God is attempting to get power in us through this system that he created. If you become a believer and don't use the prayer system or the power grid system that he has intended you to use, you will be a frustrated kingdom citizen. You're just going to be frustrated. Boy, I don't know if this Christianity stuff really works. Well, how how often do you pray? Well, once a week. Well, no wonder it doesn't work. You don't turn it on. Have you ever noticed things work when they're plugged in? It's true. Now, are you still with me? You still love me? Now there's a there's a there's an upgrade system. You know how you get upgrades for your computer and stuff, and you get upgrades so you can work better. There's an upgrade system. I found it in nineteen seventy-three. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I found it. It says in Acts chapter one, eight, but you shall receive power after the Holy you shall receive what? Power, power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. In other words, you're going to be so engaged in the, in the matrix system, you're going to be so engaged in this internet, this, this prayer system, this communication, that you will have power to overcome the evil. And I'll give you some stories to illustrate this in just a few minutes. But we got to understand this. And, and within this kingdom mentality, which we must see, if you don't understand the kingdom, you will never understand prayer. So here we are, we're kingdom citizens, and within this system, he put four purposes. Now, this is fascinating. He gives four purposes to his children who become a part of his kingdom, and it's listed in Genesis one twenty-six or 28 that I just talked about. He, first of all, he says, make, we're going to make man in our image. So when you make man in our image, in other words, he wants all of his kingdom kids to have his character. He wants us to mirror who God is. Now, I noticed this when the, one of them is here, Kingsley. Hey, King. Oh, he can't. He doesn't know who's talk, talking to him. Here's, here's one of the twins. When the twins were born, this is the second set of twins. We're looking forward to the third set per, person. The second set right here. When King was born, King, hi, bud. Yeah. When King was born, you know what we said? He looks like Christ. And Papa John. And then we looked at Presley. Oh, he looks like Kelly and her family. Have you ever noticed that when children are born, we always want to know who they look like? Can I ask you, do you look like God? The character, we must start looking like God because we're a part of his kingdom. And God wants us to reflect who he is, his image. We're to bear his image. Secondly, the second thing that God puts in us through the Genesis one twenty six mandate, he wants us to reproduce. It, the Bible says, uh, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, etc." He wants us to fill the earth. He wants us to have children. Have you ever, know when a, have you ever noticed when a man and wife get married, they want to have kids? You want to have children? Chris and Kelly are doing a great job. Multiplying, replenishing the earth. In fact, I was talking to my mom this week and I said, Mom, did you, did you realize that, that Chris has more kids than any other family unit in, our, in her line, in her brothers and sisters, and my dad's brothers and sisters, and all of my cousins? He has the most kids. Now, I wouldn't have believed Chris would ever have the most kids. I thought it would be Chris or uh, Tracy or Rochelle, but it's Chris. Seven children. They're doing their their part. What are you doing now? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus comes along and he says, I want you to reproduce spiritually and naturally. He wants to reproduce in us who he is. And he wants us to fill the earth. That's what he wants. The the third thing, have you ever noticed when when children are, are, are born, you raise them, you take care of them? You know, mom and dad really want them to say, Papa, I love you. I really love you, Papa, or, you know, show appreciation. Um, last night, we, we have a, kind of have a bed at the end of our bed, and it's for the grandkids. And every once in a while, one of the grandkids will say, hey, and it was, this was last night, Quincy comes up to us and says, Papa, can I sleep in your room? And we always say, well, you have to ask your dad and mom, if, you're, if it's okay with your dad and mom, then you can sleep there. So he comes in and he says, it's okay with dad and mom. Okay, come on in. So he gets his blankets, and he fixes up the bed real cool with a cowboy's thing on top of it. I don't know where he gets that. (laughs) But he fixes his bed up. He gets inside, and then we, we pray. We always pray. So we prayed for him, and then I got done, and I said, Quincy, Pop and Grammy really love you so much. He says, Pop, I love you. Now, that's worth the whole world. Jesus says the same thing. He wants, through our worship, us to say dad I just really love you and that's what our worship does it establishes prayer and appreciation within us to our heavenly father making sense one more thing one more thing this, that's within this matrix within his kingdom he puts in us character reproduction min, uh, worship but he also puts within us a desire for ministry or vocation what do I mean by that he says take dominion well do you know that uh, in Jewish days every family when a child was born into a family that child took on the vocation of the father if you look out through what happened to Jesus he took on the vocation of his earthly father he became a carpenter so uh A a Levite, the son or daughter, would take on a priesthood. They would be a priest. Uh, They would take on carpenters or whatever it is. In the same way, Jesus is desirous that we take on his vocation, his job, his purpose. What is it? Ruling and reigning in the universe. And you can only accomplish it through the matrix and the systems that he has put in place, starting with prayer. And he gives you the keys of the kingdom, and things begin to work. Now, in the, in the New Testament, it's interesting. In the New Testament, he starts out by giving us the Lord's Prayer, and he, and he starts out by saying that when you pray, pray this way, our Father. You know, so what he does instantly, within this system, he puts in relationship. You cannot have prayer as a function without God as a Father, and so he puts on. He puts in that when when you pray, pray, Daddy, Daddy, it's Abba, Father, it's dear Daddy. So prayer is built into the universe in relationship. Our Father who art in heaven, He's waiting for us to pray so He can act for His children. God will not act if His children don't pray. And I want to say this: prayer is a declaration of dependence. Now, let's, let's, let's talk about the function a little bit. We've talked about the big picture here. Let's talk about the function for a little bit. This prayer matrix, there is no other relationship on earth that can meet your ultimate need except Jesus Christ. If we put our trust in anything else or anyone else, we're just going to be disappointed and discouraged. But could it be that one reason why we have great problems in the earth is that God wants to show us great solutions? God longs to show us two things, to show us the riches of his grace and the poverty of our own resources. So prayer is designed to show that to us. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Can I just say we're helpless without God. But once we enter as as a kingdom citizen, as a son and daughter with royal priesthood blood, God wants us to interact with him. Prayer is our declaration of dependence upon our Father. Prayer is difficult for us. You know why? Because it flies in the face of our efforts to prove that we're self-sufficient, that we're independent, that we're strong. Prayer, listen to this. This will, uh, uh, this will tweet. Watch this. Prayer is the antidote for the disease of self-confidence. You know the difference between Uncle Sam and Jesus Christ? Uncle Sam won't enlist you in his service until you're healthy. And Jesus won't enlist you unless you're sick. I prove it. Mark 2.17 says those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. You see, we, we become men and women of prayer in this, in this matrix by our recognition of our desperate need. Our culture teaches us that we don't need God because we are God. God tells us that we're dependent upon him, and we can either accept it in faith or learn the hard way. We, we, we depend upon God for everything. Breath, you know you got up this morning and God decided that you're going to have breath in your lungs? He can immediately just withdraw that and it's done. Everything is meant by God. Jesus illustrates this. He says, you know, every day we're to, we're to pray. And in Matthew 6, 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. You're to pray for daily bread daily. Why? Why daily? Because without God, there is no nutrition in the bread that we eat. Because the Bible says, Hebrews 1, 3, Christ is upholding all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1, 17 says, in Christ all things hold together. How is it that the plants which grow from the earth have the ability to supply us with strength? How can they help us grow? It is, it is possible only through the word that proceeds out of his mouth. Otherwise, because that grain then has nutritional properties or whatever fruit or food we're eating, were God to withdraw his word, bread would be useless. It'd be like eating gravel. We need to thank God for his innate innate love, and upholding us. You see, there's three things we need. We need something to put on, clothes. We need something to put in us, food. And we need something to put over us, shelter. That's what it says in Matthew. And God says he'll take care of all three of them. All you have to do is ask. Okay. You still with me? It says I have 17 minutes and 55 seconds. Are you with me? So I want to teach you how to pray. There's three things that you need to learn how to pray. Number one, you need to pray specifically. We we tend to pray generally. When uh, Daniel was in the lion's den, he wasn't praying for his uncle Mephibosheth. He was praying for deliverance from the lions. When you're in the fire, you play about the flames. Whatever you're needing in your life, you need to ask God for it. That's What's pray specifically means? There is no problem ga- God cannot solve. There is no challenge God cannot meet. There is no financial deficit that God cannot overcome. So make your specific prayer of dependence today and watch God work. And unfortunately, we do this. We and I've heard this all my life. We 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 pray this way. We pray. We uh, we pray. I'll, I'll kind of give you an example. We pray things like, "Oh Lord." Just be with them in a special way. What does special mean? Would you say that to a babysitter that's coming to your house? Mary, would you just be with these kids in a special way? No, you'd be specific. You'd tell them, Mary, they need to get their pajamas on. They need dinner. They need prayers. Put them to bed by 9 o'clock. That's pretty specific. You know what we do? Be with them in a special way. We do that with, with I'm, I'm, you're, I hope you get the illustration here. We do this generalization of prayer. Lord, bless all the missionaries in all the world. How about the one that you know? You know, my, my, my dad used to tell me, son, you eat the food on your plate. You have to remember, there's people all over the world that don't have food. And I would always say, Dad, name one. <laughs> Sorry. This is interesting. Dr. Cho, he's the pastor of the largest church in the world, about 800 to a million people in the, uh, the nation of Korea, South Korea. Do you know South Korea is probably the most Christian nation in the world? 60, 65% of, of South Koreans are believers. And they pray, and they pray for you every day. They've told us that. But I remember he said years ago, he was praying for, God, give me a, a desk, a chair, and a bicycle. And he kept praying, give me a desk, God. And this is in his early ministry. And it, nothing happened. One day he's praying, God, why aren't you giving me a desk, a chair, and a bicycle? He said, well, God told him, he says, well, you got to tell me what kind of a desk and what kind of a chair and what kind of a bicycle. So he, he started praying very specifically. Give me a red bicycle, a Schwinn, or whatever it was he, he asked for. Very specific. Within weeks, he had it. Within weeks, he had the chair. Within weeks, he had the desk. I'm just telling you right now, I don't think we're specific enough. God help everybody in the whole world. Wow, that's pretty general. <laughs> Secondly, pray honestly. I think we need to pray honestly. God wants us to approach him honestly, openly, sincerely. Prayer is about real-world concerns with real-world language. And you've got to just, you know, don't shift into your stained glass voice. Right. Oh, God, thou who art in heaven, the Omnipotent One, I pray that you would help me. <laughs> no. God, i got a problem. You know, and just name the problem and start honestly praying over it. Now don't complain all day, but pray over it. Thirdly, pray persistently. keep on asking, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Remember, this is the matrix of prayer, the system that God has put in place that we can overcome. And I'm going to get in, a few, in just a few minutes, uh, even more detail here. It pays to pray and not to give up. Don't lose heart. Keep praying. There's two parables in the Bible, very interesting. In Luke 11, verse 5, a man receives a visitor unexpectedly at his house late at night. But he doesn't have any food to refresh him. So he's determined to host this visitor. So he goes next door, knocks on the door. Nobody comes. He keeps knocking and knocking. Finally, his friend next door comes to the door and says, what do you want? I have a friend. He just came. I need some bread. Can you give me some bread? He would not have got that unless he kept knocking. Now these are parables. I'm just giving you parables. And also in in uh, Luke 18:1, there's a there's a parable of a wood- widow who keeps coming before a judge and asking him or her to him to grant her relief from an adversary. And will she get justice? Well, the Bible says she just kept knocking on that judge's door until he finally came and said, "What do you want?" And she told him, and he said, "Okay, if it stops you." I'm giving it to you. Well, um, Jesus said this, not me. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking until God gives it. Now, I'm talking about honest, good things that are the will of God. Our lesson is this, Luke 18.1, we always ought to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18.7 says, For God will most certainly avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him. Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And the last thing I want to talk about this morning is the types of prayer. First of all, there, there are three levels of prayer. First of all, prayer is petition. In other words, it's asking. We must learn to ask first. That's the first thing we must do. It's almost like a child. You have to teach a child uh, the different levels of things. Petitioning God is basic to prayer. John 16, 23 says, Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Notice that petitions answered release joy. So the first level is petitions. We got to learn how to ask God and keep asking. The second level of, of prayer is devotion. It's devotion. Prayer is devotion. Man has been created, within this prayer matrix, we've been created uh, to desire communion with God. And by talking and communicating with God, a void is filled. That void cannot be filled without devotion to God. It cannot. We are to seek God because of Colossians chapter 2.3. It says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, God has all this wisdom, knowledge, all these treasures, but you'll never receive them unless you get close to God, because God always whispers, he doesn't shout. You gotta get close. Deuteronomy twenty nine, twenty nine The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Did you hear what that said? If you, if you have devotion to God and you, your devotion is so strong, God says he will give you treasures and reveal things that will not only touch you and change you, but will touch and change your children and your children's ch- children for generations. What Tracy was saying this morning is true. What we sow in seed is not just accomplished for tomorrow. It's accomplished for generations down the road. Treasure, now listen to this carefully. God wants us to come into such close communion that He can share His most intimate treasures. Treasure would not be treasure if it were easily accessible. Proverbs 8:17, "I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Proverbs 8 34 Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the at the at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. The last level is this. So we have petition, we have devotion, and then we have intercession. Because remember, you're a priest. You're a priest. This is the third level of prayer. Now, this is very I'll tell you a story to illustrate this. Everybody still with me? A few years ago, there was a missionary team that went to Africa, and they were in in the desert in Africa. They were traveling from uh, village to village, and they were hampered in their their travel because a a windstorm came up and and put them off off path, and they they lost their way. And in two days, their water supply had run out. They wandered helplessly in the desert. They were suffering from dehydration. They called out to God, and suddenly there appeared a pool of water and they were saved. Now, amazingly enough, they returned about two weeks later. They returned to the place of their deliverance, and no such pool existed. At the very time of their greatest need, there was a group of intercessors in America praying for them, interceding in prayer, and God performed a miracle. Intercessory prayer is necessary to the fulfillment of God's will in our lives. And what happens is this, as intercessors, we become the ambassadors of, for Christ. Now remember, we're in the kingdom, we're his citizens, we're to tend the earth, we're to push back darkness, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say, I'm an ambassador. Now, we, in other words, an ambassador is this, we have been sent in, a, in an official capacity by our government, our heavenly government. To, represents, to represent its interests on foreign soil. The normal practice of governments at war is to first withdraw their ambassadors. That's the very first thing a nation does when they're at war. But we're here, our remaining on this earth means that God is still forbearing this world's sin and there's still time to preach the gospel. Still time to preach the gospel. We are his ambassadors to release his will upon the earth. We're also the salt of the earth. You might say, Well, I didn't know all that, Pastor I know. Do you really know what that means? Our presence on this earth in America or wherever we're at, our presence here means that the spirit of lawlessness is being withheld. Did you know that? Your presence at your work allows the spirit of lawlessness to have to cease. And as you join in agreement with others at work, at school, at home, at, pre- at play, at, 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 in your neighborhood, you actually push back the forces of darkness just by your presence. You remove the presence of believers in the world, this world is completely chaotic. It will destroy itself in almost an instant. We are the main barrier to Satan's influence in the world. We're also a kingdom of priests, which I've already mentioned to you. And as a pre- priest, we've been given authority. It is to intercede for people before the mercy seat of God. Ephesians 1.22 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Did you hear what I, I read there? God, has, God gave Jesus all authority. Jesus turns around and gives that all authority to the church. And we sit here complaining. God, why aren't you doing this? Let's pray. My house shall be a house of prayer. Now, let's. I'm going to close in a few minutes. It says I have a few minutes here. Now, listen to this. The measure of the power of the church today determines the measure of of the manifestation of the power of God. You didn't catch that. The measure of the power of the church in the church determines the measure of the manifestation of the power of God. For his power is revealed through the church. This can kind of be likened to the flow of water in one's house. Though the water tank of the water companies' supply is huge. You know, if you take Suez water or whatever, they have a huge supply. But its flow is limited to the diameter of the water pipe that goes into your house. If you need more water, get a bigger pipe. If we need more power in the church, increase the pipe of prayer. We got to have this. If we're going to get to what uh, they were talking about in that video today, we've got to increase the diameter of our water pipe prayer. And today, the degree of the manifestation of God's power is governed by the capacity of the church. The greater the capacity of the church, the greater the manifestation of God. You know what I'm I'm thinking? What if, think about this, what if there was one church that decided to get serious about this? Everybody in the church, everybody, decided to go to the capacity of prayer that God intended them to. Now I'm not here to tell you how, when to pray how to pray, etc. God needs to tell you that. If you come and ask me, I'll tell you how long that should be, but I think everybody in as a believer should pray should get to the point in their life of praying at least an hour a day. Why is that? Because Jesus said, "Could you not tarry with me one hour?" And he was talking to his disciples. Now, I don't think that has to be an hour at a time, et cetera. But I think that's God's ultimate. But God wants us to be involved. What if a, what if a church? Now, guys, did you I didn't hear this. None of what I'm telling you today was taught to me when I was a kid. None, none was taught to me when I was a young adult. It wasn't even taught when I was an older adult. I learned this in the last 10, 15 years. And if we catch a hold of this, we could be a church that would employ heaven's help in pushing the devil back and releasing everything we have dreamed of. Do you want your family to be blessed? Get into prayer. You want your community, your neighborhood to be blessed? Get into prayer. I close with this one story and a couple thoughts. There was a pastor that was ministering in another country, a true story, I know the pastor. On the last night he was there, he was speaking, he was told about something that a team member had actually found on the far side of the village. It was a little girl, six or seven years old, tied to a tree. They asked the family, why why is this girl tied to the tree? She kind of lived there like a dog. Um, She's in the backyard, nasty, filthy, helpless, alone. And the family said, well, she's just crazy. We can't control her she hurts herself and others and then runs away we can't we we can't uh control her if we turn her loose she destroys everything there's nothing else we can do for her but tie her up well that night as pastor was preaching the lord spoke to him and said this tell the congregation you're going to pray for that little insane girl on the other side of the village Tell them you're going to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you've been preaching about. Tell them that through him you're going to break the evil powers that are controlling her. And tell them that when that then she will be fine and normal and they can know that your preaching is true. And they can believe that Jesus is the one that will deliver them. Well, as, I don't know if you know this, but pastors are human too. We, we argue with God once in a while. God, you really want me to tell them that? You know? He said, finally, yes, Lord, I'll do it. So he told him all that. He prayed. And at that very moment, Jesus came out of hiding. He became alive. He became relevant. He became sufficient, available. A hidden Jesus emerged from the cobwebs of theology and set that girl free instantly. And guess what? The whole village turned to Jesus Christ. True story you see prayers of intercession which we're called for that's the highest level we're called for prayers of intercession because they release christ's finished work christ's work empowers my prayers and my prayers release his work in kingdom enterprises we're in the kingdom of god we're not in the production department we're in distribution he's the generator we're the distributors. And the prayer that that pastor prayed was simply this. He simply said, Satan, I break your hold over this young lady in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I command you to loose your hold over her right now and let her go. And it happened. Matthew 16, 19. You bind on earth, she shall be bound in heaven loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's not petition prayer. That's intercessory prayer. At church, we got to get there. We got to get there. In three months, we're hosting a prayer conference here. Three months. We're inviting some heavy hitters. Some people who really know how to pray, believe in prayer and worship, etc. And we're asking them to come. But I want this church to prepare for that in the next three months what if we turned this church into a prayer machine we increase the capacity miracles start happening God begins to work it can happen here you want it bow your heads close your eyes I I believe today this is a very crucial message for us. But I also believe there are some here today who have been caught in the trap of the enemy. And right now, you're kind of tied to a tree. You're tied to a tree of depression. Tied to a tree of addiction. Tied to a tree of whatever it is, of just the enemy coming against you some others are here today and you've never never really committed your life to Christ in such a way that you could see yourself being a part of his kingdom and you want to make that choice today if any one of those fits you today I want you to raise your hand right now lift your hand right now just lift your hand across you're tied to a tree you want Jesus in your life? I see 1, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, at least 26. You may put your hands down. I want to pray for you right now. Church, would you agree with me?